Repeat the top with me, please. Say courageous, courageous. Fighting. fighting. In our studies over the last several months, we've been talking about the importance of having courageous conversations. And the goal in having these conversations is to talk about the things that could have the greatest impact on our life. It's that conversation you sit down with somebody and say, can we talk, can we talk, can we talk? And we talked about a lot of things this, this year, priorities, fighting, money, finance, talked about a lot of things. But, but now we're talking about fighting because after all the talking, you have to fight. If you're going to stay on track and do the things you talked about, you have to fight for it, your relationships, your future. Now, uh, the problem is uh, Christians have a way of thinking very similar to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, Peter had a problem. The problem Peter had was he didn't agree that what the things he wanted, well, let me say it another way. Peter felt that the price tag for what he wanted in life would be a lot less stressful. Jesus made a statement in Matthew 16 that bothered him. Listen to this statement, verse 21 of Matthew 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must go to Jerusalem. Where did he have to go? <clears throat> it, was an, it was a necessary thing in his mind. And when he got there, he was going to suffer many things, not just a few things, many things, from the elders and chief priests and the scribes. And then he was going to be what? Killed. He was going to lose his life. But then he was going to rise on the third day. Peter heard this, and he was disturbed. And the Bible said in verse 22, Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you. Then verse 23, Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Pretty painful conversation. What was Peter's issue? Peter didn't agree with the price tag. All that's not necessary. Stop, saying, stop being so negative. Somehow, the, the idea is if you're going to get certain places, it's not going to be that painful. It's going to be easier. That is what Christians think. We are anti-persecution, anti-trouble. In many ways, up close, up close. We read about it in the Bible, but we don't want it to come into our lives. We want everything to work out. Our songs imply you know, that everything's going to be fine all the time. And there's not going to be much pain. It's going to be quick and easy. And you're going to slide right into prosperity and slide right into health and slide right into everything. And that's just not true. Anybody that has anything, any homeowner will tell you, well, it's nice to have a house. But you have issues. I have issues. My, my trees and I have been having issues lately. My trees were bad. I told you about them the other day. They, they went into my neighbor's yard and pushed his trees down. They, were, they went over the fence, over the fence, and leaned on his trees, and his trees were like this. So I, I looked in his backyard. I said, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, my trees. Look at my trees. So I went out and talked to them. They didn't even respond. So I called the tree man, and because I want to do what's right. Come on, say, do what's right. You know, my trees did it. Went across the fence, pushed his trees down. All, all I mean, the main, and you know, it's kind of when you come out your back door, trees were like this, all leaning backwards. And, and he said, "Well, Rick, I think I'm gonna get my trees cut down because I don't think they're gonna grow back." I said, "Yeah, you probably right." So I went and called my tree man. Said, "Go, go over there and please cut the trees down. I'm gonna pay for them in Jesus' name. Pay for these trees, get this tree, get it." And so we, he, he was, you don't, I said, and grind the stumps up too. Just grind it all up. That's right. Do it right in the name of Jesus. Do it right. Do it right. 
because it ain't right. They're my trees. So what am I going to do to those trees? You don't want to know. <laughs> got a plan for those trees. <laughs> but but my, I like trees. I got, I got plenty of trees. Don't get, if you're a tree person, don't get upset. I got enough trees to go around. My point is, there's something about being honest with yourself. That there are trials and challenges in everything. You've been wanting an easier life. And God said, oh, okay, I can give you an easier life, but you have nothing. And so in this conversation with Peter, Peter's struggling. And so he gives Peter a lesson. Three things he says to him. Look at verse 20. Skip down here. What verse is it? Verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if any man desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Your first challenge, Peter, is self-denial. Fighting yourself. That's what we talked about last week. You have to learn how to fight you, not your neighbor, not your friend. It's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. Dealing with yourself. And then he says, secondly, the second challenge is taking up a cross. And sometimes you'll find, as we talk about today, it's not fair. The cross that Jesus carried wasn't fair. It was because of us. And then lastly, he said, you have to learn how to follow. Follow me. Three things. Come on, say, deny yourself. Take up your cross, take up your cross and, follow me. and follow me. Today we take on the challenge of carrying an unfair responsibility. We'll look at what it was like to have a cross that you have to carry because of somebody else. And I want to show you an example of this in Isaiah 55 and 53, rather, and 5, where Christ was unfairly wounded for us. Listen to what the Bible said. But he was wounded for our what? Transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we, we were healed we are healed it was all because of us and then if you notice he was shamed because of us hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 looking unto jesus the often finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured 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 come on say endured endured, endured the cross despising the what shame and he sat down now of course at the right hand of the father the throne of god but Notice that he had to be shamed. That is part of any leadership role. Shame comes with parenting. It is. They will shame you at least once. Okay? At least ten times. At some point. In the mall, in the store, in places. And, you know, you just have to manage shame. And, and you can't just beat them because they shame you. Because if God beats you every time you shamed him, some of you would be getting a continuous beating, nonstop. It would go on for days. The way you communicate, the way you represent his name, you shame him. Mm -hmm. Now, there are different types of, types of unfair crosses and responsibilities that we carry, and I want you to be really clear about this concept, that, that there are times in life when you carry a cross that's unfair. There are times in life when you didn't do anything, but it is part of what you manage. And I'm going to give you seven, seven areas, okay? Seven types of unfair responsibilities or crosses that we often have to carry. You ready? Repeat them with me, please. Say family crosses. Family crosses. Physical, crosses. Physical crosses. Emotional crosses. Emotional. Academic crosses. Academic. Relationship crosses. Relationship. Prison crosses. Prison. Religious crosses. Religious. And the toughest of all is family crosses. Man, nothing like that family stuff. That family stuff can be hard to manage, you know, single parents out there struggling, trying to make it happen. If you are dealing with a grandparent, if you're a grandparent and you got kids, that you have to now carry their responsibility. And it's, 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 these aren't your kids. These aren't, not that you don't love them, but 
it, you are now carrying the entire responsibility. It, it's, it's a sibling issue. It's your, it's your brother. It's your, uh, come on, dude, what are you doing? You just, you're back and forth with him. You're trying to get her to get it. She's not getting it. Then sometimes it's a physical cross. Sometimes your illness. And, you know, illness can be a surprising thing. I'm a pretty healthy person, but, but I, I don't like it when things go wrong. I don't like it when stuff is out of sync and out of whack and, and um, assaults. Sometimes you are physically challenged because someone hurt you. You're carrying a wound that somebody inflicted upon you that's unfair. Sometimes it's an emotional cross. People who have been abused emotionally can relate to this. You know, you've gone through it where someone says something to you, and this is really amazing. Look at the preacher for a second. There are things in your life that people can say to you, and it can stay with you forever. Somebody just told you they're ugly, you're ugly, and you, you think that every day as if they have some beauty check. That's my word, right? I always say that, right? If you ever call me ugly, I'm going to ask you to show me your beauty check. I will. Show me you're getting paid for your good looks. Now, if you're getting paid, I'll say, all right, I'm ugly. I will. If you, if you get paid, I'll say, oh, yeah, I'm real ugly compared to you. But if you're not getting a check, I don't know what gives you the right to define all of this as ugly. Give me a break. <laughs> I got what I got, and I got to work with what I got. Come on, say amen. Come on. Come on, amen. Come on, work with your hat. Lastly, fourthly, there's an academic cross. People who are not properly prepared academically. So it's a hard thing for you to go to school. You know, you're trying to get through the academic side of your life. But the reason you're having trouble is because of your foundation. Follow me carefully. It's all about study habits. It's all about routines. It's all about the way your brain works and the way you approach studying and the way you, and the time you allot to it. Most of the issue is about time. It's, it's allotting enough time. In order to do the sermons, in order to get things done, I've learned how to manage my time so that it's not a burden and it's not a cross. It is a responsibility, and people find that out. When guys want to be preachers, always say, what part of it do you really want? Like this part? Like, okay, getting in front of people and saying some words and everybody going, amen. And you, and you, okay, that's, that, that's not the academic part. That, that part in and of itself is emotional, and you might not like that after the first few sermons. But especially if people looking at you saying, that's off. No, that's crazy. You know, because there's a lot of that. People, and then people fall asleep. After you work hard, they sleep when you preach. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> they sleep. Sometimes on the front row, they're knocked out. <laughs> Wake him up. Wake her up right now. I am. Tell your neighbor, don't sleep on the man. Now, come on. I'm trying to. Nobody's sleeping now, okay? Nobody's sleeping. But I'm just saying, not that I can tell. But. There are moments in your life when you, you, you find it to be hard to press forward because you didn't have the academic foundation. And I fight that all the time. I, I, I find it interesting that I'm always running into my academic boundaries. And I have a little bit of an education, but it's, it's always a fight. And sometimes there's relationship crosses Friends who betrayed you or a relationship that just fell apart, a marriage that just fell apart. How do, you, how do you explain that you're here, you're single again? What in the world is this about? I thought we had a good relationship. I thought we were going to get married. I thought, I thought, and then now you're here. And, that's, and that can be a cross. You can feel this thing. And then prison crosses. You didn't do it, but you were around the people who did do it. You didn't do this, but you got caught for that. And it's hard sometimes to know you didn't do it but you got that on your record. 
And maybe you pleaded out because you looked so guilty, you just couldn't prove you're innocent. But you were innocent, for real. You didn't do it this time. But you carry that on your record. And you hope nobody asks you. You hope nobody said, where were you last year? Oh, out. <laughs> it's a cross. And if you did do it, and you are guilty, to admit you did it. I had a bad season in my life. I made some bad choices, and for that reason, I was gone for two or three years. How do you explain that when you go to a job interview? How do you bring that up? Because you know it's, you checked yes if they asked you certain questions. And so now you have to manage your cross. Embrace your past. If this job is not for me, there'll be another one. Come on, say, if this job, this job. is not for me, There'll be another one. And here's the deal. They won't give you a job. Make your own. Get in the mirror and hire yourself. Come on, say amen. Come on, people. Hire yourself. No, no, no. That was really good. Everybody clap. Come on. That was really good. That was really a good one. Hire yourself. You can't, you can't wait for somebody to save you and discover you. It's one of the things my mother taught me that was really cool. Make it happen for yourself. There's no guarantee that people are going to like you or want you or, or even can use your skills. Your skills may be way ahead. Suppose it's 1996 and you're an iPad creator. Okay? Suppose that's your greatest skill. You got you to wait a few more years. It's not to 2010 that it's, cre- that it's really marketed. You're not going to really, there's no job. Your job may not be there yet or created yet. But that doesn't mean you can't make something for yourself. Then there's what I call, lastly, religious crosses. You went to church, you tried, but the leader you followed failed. And now you carry this religious pain because you saw things and you know things and you carry this cross. I call it a religious cross you carry. The pain of church, the pain of the preacher who failed, the pain of the embarrassment, the the whole meltdown that you saw happen right in front of your eyes. I've seen many of them over the years. And for some of you, that's a hard thing to manage. But you have to remember, people are people. And they don't always succeed. So let me give you some tips. You ready? Here's how you, how you manage unfair crosses and responsibilities. When things happen and it's hard to figure out what to do about it, here's what you do. Jesus gave them some good advice. Number one, embrace them with vision and confidence. Say that with me, please. Come on. Here's what you got to do. You got to do just like Jesus, right? You've got to look at this thing. Here's what he said, okay? He said, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, okay, guys, here's what we must do. We must go to Jerusalem, and we must suffer, and we must, we must die and be killed. Gentlemen, these are the must things we, we, have, we, we, we can't ignore. Embrace them with vision. Do you embrace your life? Do you, do you, do you understand this is your life? You have to embrace it? In this season, it is what it is, and you have to embrace it. Secondly, see them as part of your growth journey. It's part of your growth journey. It's part of my, I have to go through this season. I must go to Jerusalem. It's part of my journey. In order for me to get to where I'm going, that's the way, school. There's no way to be an engineer without a degree, sorry. There's no way for me to get this promotion without these disciplines. There's no way for me to be to that level of health without these disciplines. There's no way. There's no, I must go through Jerusalem. This is my path. 
and if you ignore that, you're not going to get there. Here's a confident thing that you can believe. Listen, the thing, you're going to rise on the third day. Jesus said, listen, it's short term. Everything you're facing in your life, I guarantee you, is short term. It's a short term distraction. The job you're on, don't worry about it. One day they'll fire you, you'll quit, something's going to happen, retire. It's short term. At some point, it's going to be over. It's over. At some point, I understand that one day I won't be the pastor in here. Or one day I'll get up or something and, and you, you, know, you guys may decide, you know, he needs to go. Oh, he's talking about the same thing all three weeks in a row. Hey, Pastor Ricky, glad to be back in the house of God. Today I'm going to preach something I preached back in 19, 2018, sometime back there. It was called Courageous Fighting or something like that. You're going to say, I was there for that one. I was there. <laughs> so I'm preaching my old sermons again. You say, the same ones? We were here for those. You need a new preacher. No, I'm not waiting to the end. I'm walking out strong. Come on, say amen. I, I ain't going down like that. <laughs> but you get the point. You know, at some point, Ricky Temple can't be the guy. And, you know, can, can you come to that moment when you go, okay, you know, everything ends. I love the fact that Jesus said, but on the third day. See, your third day is coming. Come on, say amen, right? Come on, amen. Your third day is coming. They're going to beat me up, drag me to the street, make me carry a cross and all that. But don't worry, on the third day, on the third day, on the third day. You ever had a third day, glory to God, no job, and then the third day came and they hired you? You ever had a third day when things turned around and the kids was absolutely out of their mind and one day they came home and said, Mama, I'm sorry, Daddy, I apologize. Oh, that's my third day. That's my third day. That's, that's my third day. That's my third day. You couldn't find a good man. Nowhere I looked everywhere under the ground, over the ground, in the trees. Couldn't find one. Then one day he tapped you on the shoulder and said, excuse me, ma'am, did you drop that? You said, yes, I did. I dropped it. I did. I dropped that right there. I dropped that right there. I dropped it. Oh, praise God, I dropped it. Thank God. Lord, don't let me drop it. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, come on. You know I'm telling the truth. My third day was when I met Diane. Glory to God. I walked in the church. I saw her up there talking. Ah, third day's here. Third day. Hallelujah. I'm about to rise now. This is it. This is the third day. Day. What are you kidding me? Third day. Third day. <laughs> Shoot. Man, I'm tell you, I'll tell you one more story. I remember I was going to come down here. I was in Charlotte. And I was going to be the pastor. I was an assistant pastor there. And it was cold. And I knew God wanted me to leave Charlotte because I didn't want to find a church in Charlotte. I felt like, no, I got to get out of here. And I, I, I said, I don't want to evangelize. I don't want to travel all over the place and, 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 and wait for them to give me $50. I don't want to do that either. And so I said, what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do. So I called I call here. I said, I'm going to go to Savannah. That's where I was born at. I was raised in L.A., but I was born. I'm going to go to Savannah and start me a church. I told Diane. I said, okay. I called Diane's mama. And I said, Diane, I said, look, Sister work. I believe that God wants me to come there and start a church. I'm going to start me a church and hotel someplace. She said, oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's your third day. You're going to take over overcoming by faith. Come on, say amen. Third day. Third day. Come on, say amen, somebody. All I needed was 45 people that were ready to go. Come on, amen. I was ready to go. 45 people, 70 on the membership. And about, oh, about 20 of them left when I came. But that's all good. <laughs> Most of them came back in Jesus' name. <laughs> Who is that young man? I said, that's me on my third day. I'm here. Third day. Third day. Come on, say, my third day, my third day is, coming. is coming. But 
all of that is tied to one discipline. Believe it or not, it's a really simple thing. It's called following. I don't, you know, you have to understand, God's trying to get you someplace, but he has a challenge. Number one, he can't get you to fight yourself. You want to fight everybody else, your daddy, your mama, your cousin, you're fighting everybody. You know, you have a list of enemies, a list of people, and you, you tell all these testimonies, and then they did this to me, and you have these people you talk about. And I'm thinking, uh, no, he says, Peter, self-denial. He's trying to get you to understand the power, the power of self-denial. Then he says, no, you got to have the right attitude to work crosses, challenges, Peter. You got to understand, it, it, that's part of it, sir. And so you, until you're willing to embrace the hard part of the job, okay, you, you know what I mean? You want to embrace the easy part of marriage, you know, okay? Then the easy part of raising children, it is fun. There's some great days. It's easy days. But it, they're not easy days. Our seasons. Seasons. And maybe you're in the middle of one right now. But God, God's having this challenge with you because you won't follow anybody. You're not good at followership. You want leadership. You like leadership. You want to be in charge. You want to be in, you know, the boss, the big one. But you don't want to follow anybody. The church is like this. They won't follow any advice. They won't follow anything. You know, your family, look at it. Look at where it is. And you're not pausing long enough to say, you know, our problem is internal here. Our problem is we need to have some disciplines. We need to deny ourselves. We need to, we need to embrace this season. It is not easy building a business, but that's part of building a business. Amen. There are moments when it's tough. Embrace the journey. Amen. Some things you must go through. But it's hard to get you to these places because you won't listen to anybody. Who, who, who can talk to you? Who can talk to you? You know why some people don't like marriage? Because in marriage, people talk to you. <laughs> oh, they know all your business. They know how much money you have. They know your strengths, your weaknesses. You can't hide behind makeup. You can't hide behind, you know, your car. You can't. You, you, they know you. You know, Diane looks at me and she's always like, oh, I know. How do you know so much? 38 years, dude. I got you kind of close to figuring out. My daughter's about as bad. Dad? With dad? What's a dad? What's that mean? Dad. I know exactly what you're, you know, you, know, I can, you feel my pain, brother, don't you? I see him over there. Yes, I know exactly. Don't, don't y'all bother him. Get, get your head off him. Don't be leaning on him trying to, trying to butter up. We are connecting to each other. We know exactly what it's like. And it, it is, and it's, but it, you know, but that's part, part of the journey, you know, part of the journey part of the journey but can God can God get you to follow anybody I want to read you a couple of quotes and then and we'll pick up on this next week but I want you to think about this because because I don't I don't let me just read the quotes just, just, just listen listen this we have we have an, we live in a culture of people who oftentimes from their youth have not really followed anyone without resistance for a long period of time from our youth, it's been like this. Our confidence in church leaders, political leaders, and corporate leaders is at an all-time low. The tragedy is that we have developed an anti-follower approach to life. 
It's hard to be a good leader if you've never been a good follower. In our country, we like leadership more than followership. In Scripture and in many countries around the world, the emphasis is on what? Followership. In the book, Discovering Followership, Learn the Secrets of Walking Behind and Staying Ahead. I love that title. Here's what he said. Followership is perceived as a forced condition of servitude that impedes individuality and results in the loss of identity of the person following. However, nothing could be further from the truth. True followership is actually a tool of empowerment and a launching pad for the, re for the release of a follower's individuality and potential. You're never going to be all you can be until you learn to follow. You will always be limited to what you know. Look at the preacher for a second. To what you know. You're going to be limited to your perspective and your angle. Now, let me prove to you that I'm telling the truth. You ready? All right. How many of you have seen people do things you know they're wrong, but they don't know it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You've seen people. See, they're talking about you. <laughs> They've seen you do things, say things, act in ways that you think are totally normal. But because... The, for in God's challenges, I can't get them to follow anybody. I can't get them to read enough, come to church enough, listen enough. They anybody that challenges them, they kick out of their lives. The only people around you that you want around you are people who keep you calm and peaceful. But you need people who disturb you. You need people who say, this is a sloppy mess. Why is your house like this? What are you doing? This is a mess. This is a tragedy. You look really cool here, but boy, the house is a mess. There's something, and don't come in my house telling me it's my house. Yeah, it's your junky house. I get it. But, but no one can tell you. There's too many things in here. Sell this stuff before your kids trash it. Do, do, get some money out of it. Do something. Take charge of your life. You go to the doctor, and you want them to talk to you, but not about the things they need to talk to you about. You want to dance around it. You want to, you know, I like it, the doctor, except when he gets to this part. Then you, there's a part, I won't say it, you know what it is. And he says, okay, if you would only do blank, it would help your health. I, I don't know what it is. I didn't say it. I don't know what it is. You know what it is. Fill in the blank. And you, you just refuse. So you won't follow. There's no followership You're not, in your life. You, you struggle with this. And so it, it becomes the thing that is going to be the reason why your life prophetically will be predictable. I'll call it prophetically predictable. I don't need God or an angel. I can just look at what's kind of what you're doing. I can look at your habits, which I'll talk about in January. I can look at your habits. And I can predict prophetically this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be, you, because here's, here's the, I'll give you one. You ready? This is free. I didn't give you any of those services. This, this is totally free because you're the last service. If you don't save any money, you're going to have trouble all of your life. That's a prophetic predictor you're, because, because you don't have any money. And, and you're going to have to borrow. Or, or here's what you have to do. You have to know somebody who saves. And then they have to help you. Pro, and here's what I can prophetically predict. This is what's going to happen. You keep being late on your mortgage, right? And one day, you, they're going to come get it. And, it's, and, and you, some of you have been there and you understand how this feels. It's, you're married. You fuss every day. Oh my, are you distant? You're not together. You're not communicating. You're in one room. She's in another room. You get on separate vacations. You don't go anywhere. It's not, I can prophetically predict what's going to happen to you. 
You can't see it? You don't, you don't, get, zoom in close. You don't see the details? This is, this is, let me tell you. I know preachers. I know church. I know it really well. I got degrees in it. I'm a professional, they say. And I'm telling you, up close is ugly. And prophetically predictable. I went to a pastor's house and I asked him, I said, when is kids, when are you guys going on vacation? They said, Pastor, did you say the word vacation? Can you spell it for us? <laughs> pastor was in another room. I said, Pastor, why can't your kids spell vacation? Temple don't start any trouble. <laughs> I'm just trying to understand why, why we have a big church with lots of money and we can't go anywhere. What is this about? What is it that makes us, we work so hard to be successful and we're exhausted? I love the movie, right? Hidden Figures. You the boss, act like it. You don't like the sign, say racial segregation? Tear it down. He did. He tore it down. You're the boss, act like it. What are you doing to yourself? It, it, this is predictable. But nobody's there to lead you. Because you follow no man. That's what you say, right, sister? No man is going to tell you what to do. Right? You think, so God created this whole idea of submission to your husband because he's trying to be mean. I agree, some guys are horrible leaders. I get it. I know it's easy to hard to follow. Um, see, Temple, you can't say that in church. See, if I said it's hard to follow a jerk, you'd get that wrong, wouldn't you? See, that? Get this why I ain't going to say it. You know, but it is hard to follow a jerk or to lead a jerkette. Either one's difficult. <laughs> Make it fair. <laughs> it's hard on both sides. He's a jerk. She's a jerk at. Everybody's difficult. That was good. You like that? That was good. That's classic. That's classic. See, but I want you to think about it. It's, and, and so God's, God's trying to get you there, but he can't. So you, you just like to admire famous people, and you think, oh, they're successful because they're famous. Well, let me, one last quote, and I'm done for the day. Watch this. Another book, Leadership. The Leadership Principle Nobody's Talking About, by Tracy Armstrong, says this, describing Michael Jordan. When the Chicago Bulls basketball team regularly won championships, the coach, Phil Jackson, was asked, what is the key? Michael Jordan, right? Yes, but not for the reasons you may think, he replied. Not for the scoring, the reporter asked. No, said Coach Jackson. Not for playmaking, no. It must be for his defense. No, Jackson responded to the reporter. He was my coach on the floor. He executed, listen to this now, my directions, the game plan, the way I wanted the team to play. He was the role model, the prototype player. And he ensured that the rest of the team modeled what I expected. He worked relentlessly to learn and elevate his play. He set an example by, for the team being the last that left the floor in free throw practice and the first and last in and out of the weight room. Followership is what makes you great. Amen. I argue this, and I want you to think about this before we talk about it next week. And we'll talk about courageous following next week. But I want you to think about this. Who can lead you? Who can God send into your life that you will even listen to up close? Do you want to know what I think would have really helped me? 
Uh, Ricky Temple, let's talk, dude. Your church is growing. God's blessing you. You're making good money. Let's see what you're doing. You, you can't give away that much. Now, come on. You can't give away that much like that. Okay, wait. No, okay. Let's look at your exercise. No, okay. You're not working out, man. You're not, you, okay. Well, okay. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're a little bit too busy here. When, you know, okay. You're taking some time off, which is good. You got good rest habits. That's good. But somebody who could have looked over my success, this is important, plow through my success, sit me down and say, look at this. Look at that. Listen, no, you, no, no, no. You're getting upset about nothing there. Who in your life can come and talk to you? Who will you follow? One final thought. I'm in a season right now where I'm in this, um, I'm between two seasons. I'm having, and I'm, I'm being really honest here. On one side of my life, I'm really excited. I'm really just thrilled. I mean, I got dreams and ideas. I could probably list them forever. My wife will tell you I have all these ideas. And, and these are things, many of them are off the, off the, they're on the road, moving. I'm really excited about them. I really am. On the other side of me, there's a struggle. And here's what I'm saying on the other side. Do I really want to do all that? And I find myself in this struggle, this fight. And, and I'm, 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 I'm pulled. I am being so honest with you. I mean, it is, it's, 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 a, it's a pull. It's a fight. And it's in this season I must be courageous. It's in, it's in that pull between excitement and not fear so much as it is, do I really want to do all that? Do I have another sermon? Do I, have another, am I, do I want to take that challenge on? Do I really want to go that far out on the limb? I'm not just talking about academics. I'm talking about financial ideas. Things that we need to do as a ministry and as a church. It's so easy to sit back and be comfortable and not try anything new. You met somebody, right? But you don't want to take the chance again, right? It's a fight. You're excited because this person, oh, man, so much. But, but yeah, I don't know if I want to go through that again. I don't know if I want to start all over again. I don't know. And so there you are in the fight. You're going to have to courageously fight. You're going to have to try again. Let me pray for you. Father, we all know what it's like to have a dream and then to have it snatched from under us we know what it's like to be excited and we know what it's like to lose excitement there are people in this room fighting depression today some watching this Lord God they're struggling, struggling, struggling but oh God help them be courageous fighters help them embrace their journey embrace their life and go forward with faith and confidence I declare in Jesus' name that they will not be intimidated by their lives. They will rise up and try again, love again, believe again, serve again, fighting off those negative thoughts and fears that make you want to give up on everything. But, oh, God, we give you praise today. Lift those hands up high. Come on, say, I can. No, say it like you mean it. Come on, say, I can do this. Whatever your this is, I declare it in your life. You can do this. You can rise above this moment. You can find the courage to fight another day. Believe another day. 
proclaim another day. And we can embrace the seasons we're in, the crosses we must bear, carry, the challenges that are not fair. But we carry them with confidence, believing that God will give us power and strength. And so we thank you today, God. We give you all praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, amen. Come on, praise God. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I heard the message today. My greatest challenge is making a decision about my spiritual life. Your fear might be that you have to be perfect, that somehow serving God is about perfection. No, it's about bringing in perfection to God. So if you're here with every head bowed, every eye closed, for the right of your privacy, if you're here and you're saying, pray for me, Pastor, because I need to start a life with Jesus. I know I do, and I'm so glad to know I don't have to be perfect in one day. But I, I, I just pray for me. If you want me to pray for you because you want to start your life with Jesus today, just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I see your hand. Anybody else saying pray for me? Who else is courageous? I see two. I see three. Anybody else? Anybody want to join this? Four. Anybody else? Five. Anybody else? More of you? Anybody else? Today? Pastor, just pray for me. I see your hand as well. Thank you. And I see your hand as well. Anybody else? I see your hand and your two hands there. God bless you. Thank you so much. Father, I pray for all of these who raised their hands and many who raised their hearts. Let this be the moment when they acknowledge that they need God to touch them in a way that only he can touch them. Some are here and some are home. Some are watching us on demand. Wherever they're watching, we declare in Jesus' name healing in their life. Let this be the delivering moment for them when they would say, I know God needs to come into my life and I surrender my life to him. And so, Father, we declare this is the day. You died on the cross to make this day possible. And so we welcome them into the kingdom of God and welcome them into a new life, believing that they'll begin a new journey of growth and maturity in you. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Can we give God a big hand clap and a big praise? Can we say, Father, thank you?